Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, thanks, Mr. Kelly. And folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving you the tip of the trial shortly. And right now, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Please realize, though, that this is the Garden Hotline. So if you call with questions about, you know, bumper music that you want to sell to the station or uh, St. Louis Browns playing a game or whatever else, we can't really help you with that. Now, I'm sorry. I mean, I understand that you call because you probably know this number very well, but poor Greg, I mean, (laughs) anyway. Thanks for having me on your show. Give a call and we can talk about plant selections, ups and downs and all arounds of your annuals, your bulbs, your edibles, your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn. We've had a lot of lawn calls, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions are certainly not the only garden path to take. They're just strictly offered for you to consider. Greg is producing again today of both hours of the show. And during the week, I do something I call a walk and talk. It's a landscape consultation. You can go to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com, the homepage. My email address and phone number is listed right there. I'll come to your home. We'll schedule a time, and I'll share... 40-plus years of personal experience in the yard. So it's hard to believe I've been doing this for 40 years. Anyway, uh, special recognition to an individual or group or situation that's made an impression on me, and they're brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Many people listen to the show, and they, they, you know, they email me or they'll call and leave a message on things that, uh, you know, adding to my comments or things like that. A gentleman... His first name is Dave. He did that last week. I don't know if you remember last week, but I gave the tip of the trial last week to Henry Shaw. I started off with the entrance ways to Tower Grove Park, then I went to the Botanical Garden, and then I talked about how there was property bought in Gray Summit with the potential of moving the Botanical Garden all the way out to Gray Summit. Well, I said that Henry Shaw actually did that, bought the land in Gray Summit. It turns out this gentleman sent to me, it was actually... The land in Gray Summit was bought 36 years after Mr. Shaw died. So either he was some kind of cosmic guy that came back, but no, that really wasn't the case. So I was just doing that off the top of my head. I should have probably done more research. But uh, originally it was the Shaw Arboretum, and now it's the Shaw Nature Reserve. It started off at uh, 1,300 acres, and uh, now it's 2441. Wow. But anyway, this is what, you know, Dave had sent me. And there's a couple, there's a book out there, all kinds of different things. So related to this. So my mistake on thinking that Henry Shaw, because it is, it was related to pollution. And the director at that time, when the ground was, you know, purchased, 
it was Dr. Moore that was the director. He said, no, we're not going to move out there. So regardless of the pollution or anything else. So anyway, that was uh, thanks to Dave for sending that to me. And you're getting me corrected. <laughs> I can't believe I was wrong. That's the first time I've been wrong my entire life. But anyway, anyway, it was enough of that. But uh, thanks to anybody that you know, kind of helps me out with certain things that I may not be totally quite right with. But uh it's just fun. I do it for fun, and that's what it's all about. So the tip of the trial goes out to Dave and everybody that kind of sends me a little bit of insight on some of the things I do talk about. Let's see if we can get a couple calls in before we take a break. Let's go to Phil in South County. Phil, how are you today? I'll just answer. We had a uh, ornamental cherry tree taken out, and they cut it down close to the ground. But, of course, your your trunk and the, uh, 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 the roots on top of the ground is a large area. <laughs> And uh, we can't really use a stump grinder because there's uh, a lot of rocks in the area right. all through there. Uh, I was told this kind of tree rots out quickly. Is that, is that correct, pretty much? Well, quickly is not going to be quickly. Quickly, okay. I mean, when I think of quickly, I mean like a snap of the fingers. I'm oh. exaggerating a little bit. But it's still going to take—the stump may rot out. But the root system still may stay viable, even if that's why even grinding the stump out doesn't kill the root systems. Okay. So uh, that root rot, I could drill holes in the, in the area. Right. And, uh, and you drill the holes right into the trunk and you pour the chemical into it. Okay. And that should help. Then I, I can always cut off the uh, vertical or the uh, roots on top of the ground with a chainsaw. I just go above the ground and do that. I yeah, guess. you could certainly do that. And, you know, anytime any of the root mass that you can get rid of is certainly going to make it, the rest of the roots, the feeder roots, which are at the end, you know, sort of like decline even quicker. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> so I'll get on to it. Okay, sir, thank yeah, you. Yeah, good luck with that. And just watch out. If you're going to use a chainsaw on the ground, roots on the ground, make sure that it doesn't, you know, back kick you or anything. So just be really, really careful. Now yeah, let's so go get, to... Uh, from South County out to St. Charles in the Anthony's yard. Hi, Anthony. Yes, uh, Mike. Yes. Yes, uh, I'm calling about when would be the best time to uh, try to replant fig trees, the fica tree. I have them in the yard. Uh, I've had it for 10 years, and they got so huge, the trunk, and it didn't put off too much fruit this year, and I want to know how I could... Uh, reestablish it by starting a new sprouts. What wouldn't it be the best time to do that in so, the spring of the year? So you're talking about taking cuttings from your existing tree, then rooting those cuttings, and then planting them once the root systems are established? Yes, sir. Okay, so I would say do it now. Take the cuttings now. Go to your favorite garden center. Get rooting hormone for woody plant materials. Get potting mix for starting plant materials, get some small pots, take the cuttings, make the cut at a 45-degree angle, dip it into the rooting hormone, follow all the instructions, and put these cuttings into a pot. Don't just put them into the ground. And then d dig a hole, sink the pot into the hole, and just leave them in there for a year or two until you can make sure that there are some well-established roots. How are you going to tell that? Well, it's going to start putting out some foliage. So hardy figs, I mean, there people don't even realize that there is a hardy fig variety. If you go to the Hill neighborhood, they're kind of a lot of them all over the place. But uh, Well, I've, I've had this for 10 years, yeah. and I mean— I mean, the root system or the trunk on it was at least four inches in diameter. Right. You've yeah. done a great job. Yeah. Okay, and uh, my other thing, too, uh, other question uh, or answer, uh, the gentleman called about bulls. Right. If he goes to the co-op in St. Charles, 
they sell a granule to put in the hole. Okay. And he would get rid of the voles. Okay, great. Plus he could buy he could buy a two by three mouse trap and put some cheese on it. Right at the hole, they come out and right. he'll catch them. Yeah, that's why I said use a big, you know, the bigger, more or less rat traps. But he said he had pets, so I said that might be something to be a little bit concerned because your pets are always good, you know, could get over there and start sniffing around. Yeah, but that'll do it. The mouse traps are the only thing that I found that I got them. To be honest yeah. with you, I completely agree. But when he yeah. said, you know, he's got pets, then that kind of like, you know, squelched that. Yeah, right. Well, thank you. Yep, thank you, and thanks okay. for your insight. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Columbia, Illinois, right across the river, that's where Ron lives. Ron, how are you today? Fine, thank you. Uh, Mike, I have a question I have a, I moved into a house that had a row of, oh, I'm going to try to read this because I just bought a small one, an emerald green arborvitae. Yeah, arborvitae. Arborvitae, okay. And I bought one. Uh, there's a void. Obviously, there's one that's missing. And these are fully grown. I think they're fully grown. They're about 15 feet high. Yes, they sound fully grown. All of them. But there's a void where there apparently was one there at one time. And how and why it died, I have no idea. Right. I bought a bought one, which is obviously much smaller, but I got my place to plant it, and I got the instructions on how and what to do. And when I started looking at the ground, we have over here what they call like a French drain from our uh, coming down from our uh, uh, house that it just goes out into the yard and comes up in and, and the drain from the roof into the gutter and down in surfaces on the ground about 15 feet away, which is right around the location of where I plan to put this uh, tree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is, is, uh, are these trees susceptible to, uh, like, root rot or whatever? Should, you know, we have a rainy season, it's just the only time it's going to get the extra water. Right. It's going to kill it. So you're going to either have to just leave that gap in there and just ignore it, or you're going to have to extend this thing beyond this row of arborvitae. That's what I'm going to have to do. Yeah. yeah I, got, I already paid for the tree. I'm going to get my back, <laughs> just uh, add to the, it's, you know, just below the surface of the right. ground. But still, I, I mean, whoever did that or whoever designed that was crazy. Either that or it was there, and whoever put the plants in, you know, after that, I mean, that was the dumbest thing they could possibly do. Was to plant yeah, right yeah, where the water uh, exits. That's just going to just soak water in there. And it's, it's real nice now because we've been in drought, but most of the time around that uh, drain where the water surfaces, it's, it's kind of muddy and the grass isn't good. Right, exactly. Know? Okay, but that's the deal. All that's, right. that's a must thing to do is move that out that uh, exit of that drain. Yeah, either that or you're not going to be able to grow another arborvitae there regardless of what you do. So thanks, Ron. And now let's go from Columbia, Illinois to Steelville, Illinois, and that's where Wayne lives. Hi, Wayne. Hi, how you doing? Good. Hey, quick question for you. Uh, a few years ago, we quit mowing part of the yard because we wanted it to grow up and go natural. And about three years later, I noticed that it was growed up thick with uh, wild uh, 
blackberry or raspberry. Wow. And at first we would pick about five gallon a year off of them. And this was just an area that's maybe 50 by 50 that had the berries on it. Mm -hmm. And over the years, we've got less and less berries and it's getting thicker and thicker with uh, uh, rows of Sharon, bluegrass and fescue and goldenrod. And I'm wondering, are we better off to thin out everything away from them or would we be better off to go in and just bush hog the whole thing and let them come back again. <laughs> no, probably what you need to do is certainly get everything away because the raspberries, they they are, you know, naturally they're on the edge of woods. They're not all surrounded by a bunch of other junk and everything else. But also with your raspberries on a routine basis, the ones that have the biggest canes, you know, right when they come up out yeah. of the ground, cut those out. So in other words, that's going to encourage new growth, new canes, new stems coming up out of the ground, and those are going to be the better fruit-bearing ones. Okay, so cut those out in the spring or in the fall? Or it doesn't when? matter because you're just cutting out the big ones. So if you look at a spot and it has okay. like 10 canes coming up out of the ground, and there's three yeah. that are obviously bigger than the other, let's say seven okay. out of those 10, cut out those three. Yeah. Okay, now do we need to leave a little shade for them? or They don't or? need shade. They don't need any shade. Okay. None. All right. All right. One other question. Then. Okay. Um, I gathered quite a few pawpaw seeds this fall, and I'd like to try to sprout them. Am I best off to just go ahead and get them in the ground now and leave them, let them freeze over the winter and try to grow? Or right now, I've just got them laying on the counter in the shed. <laughs> yeah, they should be outside. But, I mean, just kind of think about if these were falling from the tree, what they do. So don't bury them too deep. You know, kind of have an area where you've prepared the soil. You know, it's nice and organic, well-drained and everything else. And just put, you know, push the pawpaws down slowly, slightly below, you know, right into okay. the surface. Don't bury them deep. Don't do anything like that. And don't put a bunch All of right. mulch over the top of them. You know, if you want to put a little bit of leaf mulch, yes, you could do that, but not more than an inch. Okay. Sounds good. Great. Uh, yeah, thank you. All right, thanks, Wayne. And let's see if we can get John in Manchester. John, how are you? Uh, morning, Mike. Love the show. Um, a few weeks back, you talked to a lady about cutting back her iris, and you said they were pretty much done for the year. Right. Well, mine mine rebloom every year. Is that normal? Well, certain varieties are rebloomers. Some of the ah, old time okay. varieties are not. Gotcha. So. One quick plug. Uh, Gamma Tree did a great job on my juniper, so uh, I want to give a recommendation to them. All right, Thank great. You. That's perfect. Yeah, Tim, Ga Tim Gamma, I've known him for years and years and years, so I've actually broadcast from Gamma Tree Service a couple times. So thanks, John. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. First time today to Maryland Heights, and we're going into Kathy's yard. Hi, Kathy. Good morning. Hi. Mike. Thanks for keeping me company on my drive to Bloomington today. Sure. Um, my husband and I have bought property in Maryland Heights, and we're totally, totally gutted the backyard. There was a patio and a lot of sidewalk, um, a shed, and we've torn it all out. A lot of heavy equipment's been back there because of the rebuild of the house. And next weekend, I'm hoping to plant seed, and I would like to hear step-by-step uh, -step 
instructions on the best way to handle this. I would say don't get into a big rush. Because if, have you, you know, turned over the soil and everything else? Because if you've had a lot of construction equipment back there, your soil is going to be so compacted that it's not going to, you're not going to have success with seed or sod. Well, I rented a seed spreader to use next weekend. Seed spreader doesn't do anything to the soil. All it does is throw the seed around. No, a splitter, the oh. thing that... Okay, so it's going to cut vertical slices in and drop the seed in there. That's probably not going to be adequate. Your soil is going to be so compacted due to this equipment that that's not going to work for you. I mean, to be honest, you're not going to have great success with this. You could go ahead and try it, but I would say you're better off to try to bring in a couple inches of compost. I mean, even with a rototiller... And getting in there and churning this up and maybe having to wait until, you know, and putting just an inch or so of mulch over the top of it for the wintertime if you can't get the seed down. But vertical slicing is not going to make the soil compaction go away. Yes, it's going to cut a slice and the seed's going to drop into that slice. But right below where that slice is, it's like concrete because this is clay soil. Okay, so, so you say put down a good layer of compost and wait Wait until the spring. Yeah, and work this way. work the compost into your existing soil. Don't just lay it down. Okay. So it's gotta be All worked right. into the existing soil or it's not gonna do a darn thing. Okay. Well I'm glad I called you. <laughs> um, one other one other question I've got for you in uh, making this move I bought a bunch of uh, hibiscus that were on clearance and they're potted hibiscus that I'm hoping to transplant over at this new house. What, how would you recommend I handle those? Now, are these hibiscus, are we talking about Rosa Sharon, hardy hibiscus plants for outside, or the hibiscus that are hardy but have huge flowers like eight or nine inches across? The, the huge flowers that are eight or nine inches across. Okay, they, they really want a damper soil. So if you got a spot in your yard where you can make sure that they're well-watered, just, again, prepare the soil before you plant or else you're just, you know, spinning your wheels. If you just drop them into the ground in an area that hasn't been planted before, the soil hasn't been improved, you're kind of wasting your money, time, and effort. Okay. All righty. Thank you much. I appreciate it. Sure. I mean, I, you know, I'm just saying this because it's really the reality of having success because especially even where these hibiscus are, if this is not an area where all this equipment has been, the soil's probably just compacted anyway, unless it's been somebody that lived there before that was really into the you know the outdoors and their soil. So that's why I'm saying improve the soil, be patient. You might have to wait for a full year to get some of this done. If you have to hold on to these hibiscus, just dig a hole, drop the pots into a hole, and cluster them all together for the wintertime. That's the best thing you can possibly do. And make sure they're watered going into the wintertime. Just leave them in the pot until you can get the area where you're going to plant them, you know, improve the soil improved. All right, all Kathy. Right, th- yeah, thanks a lot. And now let's go to Mary. And Mary lives in Clayton. Hi, Mary. Hi. Can you suggest a tree that will grow in our front yard? It's northeast exposure, but there's a large um, oak tree about five feet from it. And so essentially where we want to plant the tree, it's pure shade. There's absolutely no sun. Right. Is there an ornamental tree that would grow in shade? No. It's not the shade factor. You're saying five feet away from an oak tree? Yeah. 
There, yeah, if you dig you. down there, you're going to run into solid wood due to the root systems. Okay. And so nothing is going to be able to survive in that situation. Okay. I mean, realistically. So we need to find a new position. Exactly. And okay. wherever you decide you want to try, take a, take a spade out with you, not a shovel. A spade is one with a square bottom because spades mm-hmm. are for digging holes. In the spot that you think you might want to try, dig down a little bit and see, you know, how much root system there are right there. I mean, that close okay. to the trunk, yeah. it's, it's solid wood. But okay. even if you get out 15 feet, it may be still a lot of root systems that, you know, in that circumstance. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. I mean, uh, boy, uh, is that Mike Miller really negative today? Keep telling people that they're not going to have. No, I'm trying to tell you the truth of how successful you're going to be in these individual circumstances. Let's go now to Maria in Afton. Hi, Maria. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I have two quick questions. I have a nice winter garden going. All my lettuces and, you know, spinach and uh, greens are doing great. Mm -hmm. I got my third planting of radishes. But my cabbage, it looks like Swiss cheese. (laughs) Um, And... My other question is, is my parsley bed is looking fantastic. What do I need to do to keep that uh, through the winter uh, so I can have it next spring? Yeah, parsley is not really hardy, uh-huh. so it's not going to come back. It's not? No. Okay. And as far as your cabbage goes, uh, you know, there's something there. Just go out. If anybody has any kind of things that are eating the leaves on something, go out in the early morning or in the later in the evening, you know, as the sun's going down, because that's when the insects are most active. Mm-hmm. And just see if you can figure out what it is. It, so, with the, you know, with the, if you've had great success with the other ones in the cabbage, you can't put cabbage into the ground now and expect it to be, you know, harvestable this year. So you might as well just give up on it, just leave it alone, let it grow, and just kind of, you know, forget it. Or you can just, you know, dig it up so you don't have to look at the holes in the leaves. Okay. Well, I'm I'm a little disappointed because the guy at the uh, out at the farm store said to go ahead and put these in for the fall. Yeah, how long ago did you put them in? Well, about a month ago. Yeah, that's. But I'm saying if you if the ones that are, have all these holes in them, you know, they're not probably going to be you know productive to you. So I'm just saying don't go out and buy more cabbage plants okay. because you're not going to get them in the ground to be able to do anything. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. The football season's underway. Touchdown, Kansas City! Baseball's gearing up for the playoffs. There's a swing and a drive. This might go! Governor! And preseason hockey is here. Shoots! Score! And where's the one place you can find? The cards. Get up! Get up! Oh, oh yeah! The Blues. The long shot, he scores! Touchdown! From the preseason to that championship moment. A World Series winner for the Cardinals! We've got the games covered on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller. Sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got about uh, 10 minutes to go for the show. And then at 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Adam Bold. 11 o'clock, the KMOX Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. 1 o'clock, Rick Edelman Show. And then at 3 o'clock, the business of family business with Ryan Recker. So, And then actually at 4 o'clock, nothing impossible with Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan. So all kinds of stuff coming up, and that's all before baseball. Let's head out to Dardine Prairie and go into Craig's yard. Hi, Craig. 
Good morning, Mike. How are you, sir? Very good. What I'm looking for is a uh, evergreen or a shrub that grows upright and not out. How 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 narrow can it be? Uh, no more than eight feet. Eight feet wide. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, the arborvitae are going to grow that you know get about that wide. Do you need to have it eight feet wide because there's a variety of the hicks called hicks u which grows, but it's only going to get about two feet wide. Can you cluster three or four of them together? Uh, I don't need to do that. I mean, it, you know, however wide it gets, it just can't be more than eight feet. Okay. Well, the Hicks U is only going to get about two feet wide. It just grows straight up like a column. Okay. And yeah, so you only have to control the height on it. It's very easy to do. Now, there's a couple other things that grow straight up, but they're a little bit iffy. There's one, one that's called a pencil holly. It grows straight up as well, but it's a little bit marginal when we have a severe winter time. But if I was you and you don't care, you know, if you want to have something that just grows straight up, the Hicks U would be where I would go. Okay. And I was looking on uh, the Internet, and there was something called a North Pole Arborvitae or an Emerald Green Arborvitae. Right. Either- Emerald Green is going to get huge. That's going to get tall. But that's, yeah, that's why I said the Arborvitae, they're probably not going to get much more than, I mean, it's going to take them years to get eight feet wide. Okay. And the North Pole Arborvitae would be all right. I mean, this faces the West. Yeah, I don't know that I, that variety. I don't know of the Arborvitae. Okay. The Emerald Green, I definitely know. Okay. So I usually I try to answer from experiences that I've had, and that's not to say the plant material like what you're mentioning won't work equally well. But if I don't have a, let's say a personal history of knowing or hearing or seeing or whatever about something, I hate to recommend it. I understand completely. Okay. Well, very good, sir. Great. Good luck. Thank you. Yep. And with every evergreen, regardless of whether it's Darting Prairie or any place else, well-drained soil. Well, I shouldn't say everyone, but the majority. So now let's go to Gene's yard, and Gene lives in Chesterfield. Hi, Gene. Good morning, Mike. Listen, I have a question about erosion share tree, and it has a trunk of about four foot, and then it's got a the foliage on top is about six by eight and it's very large i want to cut it back and trim it back i'm trying to find out exactly when's the best time to do this and how to go about doing it now you're saying this is a rosa sharon yes so you're saying the trunk is four feet or is it four inches uh it's about four and a half inch diameter but it's about okay. four foot tall then the foliage starts yeah it's got like a like a ball on top right so what you can do is just you can let it flower for as long as it's going to flower this year because it still will continue to flower and then you can prune it back any time from the time it finishes flowering and the leaves start falling off until the new growth, new leaves start coming out in the springtime. So you've got about a six-month window of time where you can do the pruning. So can you actually just cut off the, the ends of the uh, foliage, uh, will, or will that hurt a problem? Uh, no, there's nothing wrong with doing that. You can cut it back to control the, you know, the height or the size or whatever you want to. I wouldn't necessarily, you know, you can do it now, but I wouldn't necessarily do it now because what that could do is expose twigs after the things have been cut off. And as intense as the sun's been, you may get some sun scald on the bark of it. So I would wait until we at least get past this crazy hot, you know, you know, intense weather. So say in another three, four weeks when the foliage is all off, it'd be a good time to do this then. Yeah, you don't have to wait till the foliage is all off. I mean, just wait until the majority of it starts falling, then you can do it then. 
I see. One more question, please. Sure. I'm going to aerate my yard and seed it. My yard is pretty good established already. I'm just doing the aerating to improve it. And uh, I'm hearing a lot about this compost. Does composting like that create more germination for some of the seed that's laying right on top of the grass? Absolutely. I mean, it keeps, you know, it's sort of, what it does is really keeps the moisture in, and it just, it helps the overall health of the germinating seed as well as the existing lawn. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. So core rate, then you can, you know, either put the seed down then, only a half inch or an inch or so of compost at the most, or you can put the compost after the coriation and then put the seed on top of it, but then you're going to water it in anyway. So, Good luck, Gene. And now let's go to Nancy in Ferguson. Hi, Nancy. Hello. Hi, Mike. Hi. I have a question about lantanas. I have about a half a dozen of them, <gasps> and they're doing quite well blooming right. and and what they're doing also right now is producing a small black seed. Right. And I want to know if I can use those seeds to start new lantanas in the spring because I've never had them volunteer themselves. I just want to know how to start them. To be honest with you, from cuttings. You know, I've never really had good experience with myself. I used to grow a lot of lantana because they're tough, they're durable, they're woody. And, I mean, they have little clusters, of, depending upon the variety, you know, of, of great colored flowers. But, you know, growing them from seed, that you may be talking about multiple years to do it. Even production nurseries don't grow them from seed. They grow them from cuttings of existing plant material. You could try it. Okay. But, All righty. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. And now let's go to Mike. And Mike's at a soccer field. Hi, Mike. Good morning. Real quick question. Sure. My kids got me for Father's Day a couple of years ago a lemon tree. We keep it outside summertime, bring it in during the wintertime when it gets cold and starts getting our first frost. Right. We brought it in last winter, and it's the first time it ever flowered, and it flowered inside. We tried the pollination with the paintbrush. Didn't work. Got it outside this summer. I probably have 30 fruits on it right now, all wow. different sizes. We're getting close to having to bring it back inside. What can I do with it inside to help those ripen? Uh, basically, don't you know, expect all the fruits to exist. I would say pick the ones that are not really close together or anything else. Take about half of them off because it really stresses any kind of plant, house plant, or even the plants outside to go into fruit. So that really takes a lot of energy inside where the lighting is going to be less and everything's going to be a more difficult circumstance for them to grow. That's why I'm saying get rid of about half the fruit and then just kind of keep your fingers crossed. The smaller ones and leave the ones that are closer to starting to turn on. Yeah, you yeah, can you try, try that. that. Yeah, okay. I would, I would I just, just, rather than say take all the small ones off, I would say take some small ones off, take some big ones off, and just see because this is going to be a learning process. Of course. And no fertilizer this time of year until the days start getting longer, so that's going to be after January. Okay, sounds great. Great. I appreciate your help. Certainly. So uh, that's a real interesting uh, Father's Day <laughs> gift, a lemon tree. Uh, another couple things. I, have, I think it was before the break I was talking about my elephant ear last year flowering. What it did is after it flowered, it actually produced seed. And so I took a couple of the seeds and I threw them. I keep using the same potting mix year after year after year after year, unless there's been some kind of real problems in that particular pot where it was, you know, growing, where other plants were growing or whatever. But I took these elephant ear seeds and I put them in, a, you know, and just left them in the potting mix and they actually germinated. 
So I have elephant ears. The first original leaf that came out about uh, probably a month or so ago was only about three inches long and about an inch and a half wide. Now they're probably getting to be about six inches long and about four or five inches wide. But these are elephant ears I've grown from seed. First time that's ever happened you know, to me. So totally caught me by surprise. I have them growing in the window boxes in our kitchen window, so I have some ferns in with them and everything else. But it ta- caught me completely by surprise. That's why when I tell people, you may have good luck with lantana seeds, blackberries, or anything else. You never know until you try. So I don't want to discourage people from trying. But I've tried, you know, lots of different things that I haven't had really good success with. So that's one of the things that you want to do. This time of year, I'm going to, com- you know, say it again. Water, 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 water. You got to get these plants. You got to get the root systems well hydrated before we head into wintertime. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.